exactly is the other in one another? Who are you talking about, Jesus? You mean, you mean those of us who are already in part of the church love one another? It's easy enough to do. Or uh, you mean just my own family? Are you talking about, you know, Israelites? Where, where exactly who are the others that I'm supposed to love? And this is the thread that runs through the book of Acts. This circle of the others whom God loves and whom are called to love continues pushing out. We're really picking up here where Pastor Natalia left off last week, continuing with this farewell discourse in John's Gospel and the themes of abiding and and of love as we've been singing. Uh, a pastor uh, told the story of uh, the small town uh, middle school where he serves. Uh, the, the, the music teacher had finally gathered enough children and resources to start a school band and they were very excited about this. Uh, the uh, principal was so excited that she uh, scheduled a concert to be put on for all of the students of the school uh, really before the music teacher was confident that they were quite ready for that. But the day rolled around, and so they gathered all the kids in the auditorium uh, for the band concert. And uh, the music teacher, just prior to the start, she leaned forward and whispered to her nervous musicians, if you, if you don't know your part, it's okay to just pretend. Okay, so she stepped back, and then with a great flourish, she raised her baton and brought it down, and that band brought forth a thunderous silence. Not, not, a, not a peep out of them. Nobody was quite certain, apparently, that they were ready. And that reminds me, uh, as we prepare to go to Tanzania in June with a group of ten, uh, those of you who have been on one of these vision trips uh, probably had the experience along the way of uh, the trumpets that are very popular in Tanzania. I don't know why it is trumpets and not other brass instruments, but it, there, there's, there are a lot of trumpets around, and boy, uh, several at the first church we will worship at where we have a strong partnership up on the lower slopes of Mount Kilimanjaro. And let me tell you, if they have a trumpet in Tanzania, they play it. Uh, that whether or not they feel completely ready uh, or equipped, uh, they play with great enthusiasm uh, when, they, when they have their horns. Um, now, I think that most of us in the church are probably a little bit more like those junior high band students when it comes to, you know, inviting others into the, into the band uh, to be a part of things. You know, we probably are a little bit more clo- closely related to, to those junior high kids than we are to the enthusiastic uh, uh, Tanzanian trumpeters. Um, I personally had a very different band experience in uh, junior high. I was at uh, Oak Grove Junior High in, in Bloomington, and uh, our band teacher was Mr. Rotenberry, and he was a little bit of a stern guy. He's, we were all a little bit afraid of him, and uh, he, was, he was great, though, too. I can remember sitting in his office between uh, classes, and, you know, he was a lovely guy. Uh, but, but I also remember being in rehearsal, and uh, the whole band working on some piece, and then he would bring everything to a crashing halt, and he would point at a section. I was a trumpet player. I was somewhere in the kind of the middle of the lineup. You know, you have first chair and second chair and all the way down. 
And that was kind of somewhere in the middle. And he would start at one end or the other. Uh, trumpets, play uh, these four measures for me. Go. You know, one at a time. And I have to tell you, uh, the sounds that came out of those horns had very little resemblance to what the music was on the page in those moments. And yet, somehow, every single time on the night of a concert, that band was incredible. I mean, we were really good. We made an album. I have an album somewhere. I don't have a record player to play it on or a turntable, but uh, we were just so good. So uh, clearly what had to have been happening were the very gifted players were, were covering for those of us who were less so, and those who really practiced were kind of covering for those who maybe did not. Uh, but they were also inspiring us to do whatever, to bring whatever gift it was that we did have. And I can remember sitting on that stage during those concerts, kind of feeling and hearing the music coming out of us, uh, looking out at our parents and grandparents thinking, wow, this is, what a thing to be a part of. I, I can't believe this beautiful music is, is coming from us. The psalmist writes uh, that Aiden read for us uh, so uh, well. By the way, just you made that connection, right? Aiden was the, the one who introduced himself as a three-year-old. Uh, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre. That's an instrument the, with a lyre and the sound of melody with trumpets. And the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. In our gospel, uh, Jesus is preparing his followers to continue building the community of faith after he physically departs from them. Little children, he says, uh, I am with you only a little longer. I give you a new command that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And, you know, really, that doesn't sound uh, too difficult. I, I mean, Jesus could have said, you know, the 613 laws that the deeply religious and faithful Pharisees observe 613, I'm going to double it. I'm leaving you followers with 1,226 religious laws to live by so that people can really see you're serious about your faith. But Jesus doesn't say that. He, he keeps it simple. Love one another. No problemo, Jesus. Just one. But maybe we should read the fine print, right? Uh, Love one another, Jesus said, just as I have loved you. Loving the way Jesus loved, that's a whole other matter. The love that Jesus had for his disciples began with a willingness to ignore their own shortcomings. Jesus did not assemble an all-star band of gifted first-chair experts, right? Not a ragtag band of Fishermen from rural Galilee and hated tax collectors and women of questionable reputation. Love one another just as I have loved you. Jesus modeled a servant's love, even on the night in which he was betrayed, stooping to, much to their own horror, to wash the dusty feet of his disciples. 
The love of Jesus was able to forgive and redeem the hypocrisy of Peter. I will not deny you, Jesus. I, you know, even if I have to die with you, that's what I'll do, Jesus. But when the chips were down, Peter came up short, didn't he? The love of Jesus would redeem the self-serving ambitions of James and John, the sons of thunder. Jesus, how about you allow for, for us to sit one at your left and one at your right when you come into your glory. The love of Jesus would lift Paul out of his own self-righteous claims of being blameless under the law, Pharisee of Pharisees, even from issuing murderous threats against the followers of Jesus and standing by to watch the coats of those who stoned young Stephen to death one day. The love of Jesus is a love that seems to know no limit. He loves us so much that he is willing to forgive us, to transform us, to take our brokenness, our cowardice, our faithlessness, and to die with it. So when Jesus says to us, love one another just as I have loved you, None of us should underestimate the cost of this kind of love. The early church was quickly finding out that the command to love one another is not as simple as it sounds. It raises all kinds of questions. It became hotly controversial, even among the early followers. And people still wrestle with it today, to be sure. And that question raised by love one another is, you know, who exactly is the other in one another? Who are you talking about, Jesus? You mean, you mean those of us who are already in part of the church love one another? It's easy enough to do. Or you mean just my own family? Are you talking about, you know, Israelites? Where, where exactly who are the others that I'm supposed to love? And this is the thread that runs through the book of Acts. This circle of the others whom God loves and whom are called to love continues pushing out and growing wider and wider until eventually there is some serious pushback. And we come to that in the 11th chapter of Acts. The Peter is hauled in front of a council of the believers. And essentially they say, look, Peter, what's with preaching the gospel to all of these Gentiles? I mean, the world is full of them. You've got to draw the line somewhere. And Peter shares... I had this dream, this vision of a big, expansive, gracious church. A church that reaches across racial and ethnic and even, maybe especially, religious boundaries with the love of Christ. We are called to love them the same way he loved us, Peter said. Remember? Well, they did remember. And that's the theme that runs through this incredible book of Acts. They did remember how Jesus loved them. And because they did, because they remembered, here we are this morning, you and I. Most of us Gentiles. We should be outsiders. But we're not. 
We're insiders. We're in the band. And the band needs us to bring our gift. We, uh, as I said, we met as the uh, assembly of uh, Minneapolis area churches uh, yesterday. There's around about 150 Lutheran churches in our synod, and we elected uh, the bishop to serve another term. Our current bishop, Ann Svenningson, was re-elected in a kind of holy process there at the assembly. Uh, the assembly was presided over by the bishop of the whole ELCA, the Bishop Elizabeth Eaton. Uh, she's just a really a down-to-earth, uh, both of them are just really down-to-earth, accessible, really great leaders, and they do a good job of communicating the essence of our faith. And Bishop Eaton, Elizabeth Eaton, the bishop of the whole church, she wrote an, an article entitled God Loves in the April issue of the Living Lutheran magazine. I want to quote some of her work here. She says, And Jesus loved them, twelve flesh-and-blood human beings who carried all the stuff people carry, passion and humor and courage, fear and doubt, great faith and quaking uncertainty. Jesus did not love the concept of disciples or the theory of people. Jesus loved them, and Jesus loves us. She wrote in that article, This is the message that the Lutheran movement still has to speak to the rest of the world. God loves us. God means well for us and for the world. God's love is deep and constant, and God's love is not sentimental. The incarnation was not a whim. Emmanuel, God with us, was a deliberate immersion into human brokenness in order to bring about healing and wholeness. The Lutheran movement presents an alternative face of Christianity to the world. And I love this section of Bishop Eaton's article. Too often the image of Christianity seen in popular culture is of a judgmental, transactional God demanding perfection from an imperfect people, a people who in desperation work harder and harder to save themselves. Rules for purity are erected. Pure theology, pure morality. Stark lines are drawn defining who is in and who is out. Faith becomes work. But God's grace, God's love is freely given. It is not our doing. It is a gift. It is freedom. Jesus said, For no one has greater love than this, that one lay down one's life for one's friends. And then, on that very night in which he was betrayed, after he washed the dirty feet of his disciples, he got them around a table. And at that table, there was Peter, and there were James and John, and there was Judas. And Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. 
do this for the remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it for all to drink. Peter, James, John, Judas. He gave it for all to drink. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you. It's shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Friends included in the prayers there, prayer for the family of Kathy Hill. Uh, Kathy, uh, you may not have known her. She was more a 9 a.m. service person. But even if you were a 9 a.m. service person yourself, you may not know have known Kathy because she was a quiet, unassuming, uh, humble, uh, gifted, accomplished uh uh, child of God. And so she passed away on Monday. Uh, her service, her memorial service will be on the 15th, so Tuesday after next Sunday. Uh, and we'll ask, as we always do, that folks would bring bars and cookies in support of the fellowship time that will follow that service. Uh, part of our theme uh, in this morning's scripture readings were uh, joy, uh, that I come that your joy might be complete, Jesus said. And uh, I read, uh, as I was preparing, sitting at the coffee shop, as is my habit on Sunday mornings early, I read a devotional that a friend of mine had posted from a UCC pastor who writes a weekly devotional. So I want to close with her words because I just think they're better than whatever I would have come up with for one thing. So the verse was, again, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Uh, she writes, so it was all about joy. It was for joy that Jesus was born, for joy he befriended and healed, for joy he offended the powers, for joy he said, love one another and love the world, even though you don't belong to it and it's never going to love you back. It was for joy he endured the terrible shame, for joy he was raised, for joy he said, peace be with you and pardoned us everything. For joy he went to sit at God's right hand. For joy upon joy he will return. The first mercy and the last. It was so that his joy would be in us and that our joy would be complete. And all this time you thought it was about duty. So you've been doing it. You thought it was about making an effort. So you've been making one. You thought it was about becoming a better person and making the world a better place. So you've slogged away. You thought it was about you, about what God wants you to do, about the difference you should be making, about getting the holy job done. But it was always about joy, the joy of his company, the joy of his grace, the joy of his love for God, the joy of his justice even the hard joy of his suffering. It was about being branches of his vine, sheep of his flock, drinking from the living waters of his deep, deep well. It was about doing just and saving work with him, in him, through him, not for him like some boss, not to merit a star, and not until you drop no, it was for the joy we know when we know Him. It was always about joy. It still is. 
So we go in joy. We go in peace. To love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.